In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thanks so much for joining us, and happy Friday, friends. Happy Friday! It's been a while since you've heard from us. We apologize. Quarantine, craziness, lots going on. So we're back. We're here. We're sorry. Please forgive us. We're making it up for you. Yeah, big yes, time. We're back with a bang, though. So let's meet the crew first. I'm Brett Molina. I play video games. And what's getting me through this week, I mentioned this, watching this a couple weeks ago. I finally finished Watchmen. Oh, um, wow. Yes. Uh, probably the best TV adaptation of comic book anything I've ever watched. Um, I felt like it was a Watchmen show, and it had that identity and, and all the themes that you know Watchmen to be about. But it also had its own kind of stake in that world where... It felt like its own thing, its own story, its own. It wasn't trying to, you know, the movie always comes up when you talk about adaptations of Watchmen. The movie obviously trying to go kind of bit for bit with the the graphic novel. I felt like this, you know, took all that kind of vibe of Watchmen and made it its own thing. And I loved every part of it. I actually want to watch it again because I feel like there were moments I missed. And I want to just kind of see what I missed. Um I thought everyone was fantastic. Regina King's incredible. Oh, yeah. Um, Give her all the Emmys. All yes. of, every single she, one of them. Absolutely incredible. Um, her husband in the show, and I'm totally forgetting his name. Yeah, yeah, Abdul Mateen II. Thank you. Incredible, too. Ab, ab, threw me for a complete loop, and I, he's fantastic. And especially second half of that show, fantastic. Um, but it's just the way they tell the story, the way they tie it all together – it's it's a phenomenal piece of TV, and I'm so conflicted because I feel like as a contained piece of work, it's fantastic, and I don't want them to do anything else. But I also want way more of this, and so I'm totally torn. But I absolutely have loved it, and I'm so glad I watched it, and I'm totally watching it again. Yeah, they need to stop. Actually, just leave it as as a as a brilliant little thing, and just like move on. Yeah, like a graphic novel. Watchmen was fine. Yeah. Do other things, you know. Exactly. There you go. And I'm Brian Truitt. I watch movies. And what's getting me through this week is kind of weird um, because my my daughter has become an, a Hamilton fan, um, which we'll get, you know, we'll get into more about Hamilton in a little bit. But she is now, like, recreating, like, she's like a little weird owl, and she's creating, like, Hamilton songs, but, like, with an Animal Crossing touch. It's like, so... I think she came up with like Alexander Tom Nook is one of the songs he came up with. Um, Never gonna be resident now. And there's a lot of like she's like creating. It's it's kind of fun to watch a seven year old do this. It's just like put Animal Crossing themes to like Hamilton songs. So it's it's that's been fun to watch this week. 
Hamilton Crossing. I like it. Hamilton Crossing, exactly. There you go. Um, if this is your first time, oh, actually, listening, she came up with a. I think she called Hamilton Crossing. I like that too. Yeah. Her name's way better. Let's just go with her name. <laughs> Am- Am- Animalton Crossing. Um, if this is your first time listening, welcome. New episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, wherever you like to listen. Uh, while you're there, we would really love it if you left a quick review about the show. We get great feedback. Uh, you help other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us. It's a win for everybody. Uh, don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Mothership Pod. Or you can email mothershippod at usatoday.com. On to the main topic. Here's a clip. Who's there? Diego! The end of the world, November 25th, 1963. And where am I now? Dallas, 10 days earlier. I need to find my family. That was from The Umbrella Academy, the Netflix superhero show based on the Gerard Way and Gabrielle Ba comic book about a group of adopted siblings with powers in a dysfunctional family who were kid heroes but still have to save the world from apocalypses and all that fun stuff when they grow up. Um, the second season is on Netflix right now. It takes the main characters back to Dallas in 1963, around the time of the JFK assassination. The show stars Ellen Page, Tom Hopper, Robert Sheehan, Kate Walsh, and this week's special guest, Amy Raver Lampman, who plays Allison Hargreaves, aka number three. Um, she's a musical theater veteran as well. She starred in Hair, Wicked, and a little show you may have heard of called Hamilton. Um, and she's also voicing the mixed race character Molly on the new season of Apple TV Plus's Central Park, replacing uh, Kristen Bell. Uh, Emmy, thank you so much for being here. It's great having you. Of course. Thanks for having me. Um, let's start here. This is something that we have asked a lot of our guests that have appeared on the pod. How has your quarantine been going? You know, um, it, it's it's a roller coaster. Uh, it's definitely, there's definitely ups and there's definitely, you know, downs and highs and lows. I feel like there isn't really an emotion I haven't gone through at this point. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's also just been a really difficult year um, outside of quarantine as well. And there's just a lot going on. And um, so, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying my best to find joy when I can. I think that is, that is like a daily goal for me is just to, to do something or find something that will make me happy um, and stay as healthy as I can for my parents and for my family and also just for everyone on this planet. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to stay busy as best I can. So, you know, right now I just checked Netflix. So Umbrella Academy is still number one trending. It's been sitting there all week. It's, it's really good. Um, you know, why do you think it's touched so many people, especially with this season? You know, I think this season we're tackling some pretty big topics. You know, I think we're, we're you know, we've got an LGBTQ storyline. We've got a civil rights um, storyline. We've got Klaus is always, you know, kind of struggling with, with, um, with his addiction. And, and, and all of them are kind of tackling um, a lot of, of, you know, ghosts and demons that they have and traumas from their past. And, and also, you know, trying to be the superheroes that I think they're expected to be um and you know this season i think it's because we're tackling these these you know these topics that are that are so global um especially you know the civil rights movement sure that was specific to to america in the 60s but also like what what 
that movement was fighting against is is global. And I think the 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 way that the Black Lives Matter movement in this moment is now on such a global level and there's protests all over the world and hundreds of countries all over the world. I think that is driving home the point that, you know, it's systemic racism is a deeply rooted problem and and hate is a deeply rooted problem and and injustice is everywhere. And I think there's there's just a lot to to kind of attached to this season with that storyline and with with Vanya and and her relationship with Sissy and kind of her you know kind of moving through this new relationship and this new love that she has and um and I think there's a lot but then I also think you're getting you know the the lighthearted same family with the jokes and 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 the comedy and and the ridiculous scenarios and and you know the action sequences are insane and the soundtrack is unbelievable and so I think you know it, it, it's it's a pretty balanced season of, of you know kind of tackling some heavy hitting topics but also still giving you the light-hearted you know superhero sci-fi um, entertainment that you want as well so there are some scenes that have a lot of resonance with your character especially now uh, one of them is when um, your character Allison saves her husband from a cop with a gun um, but there's also moments like the sit-ins at the lunch counter uh, what was it like filming those scenes you know it, it was really difficult it was um you know I think when when I knew that the family was going to get thrown into the sixties, I think there was no way of avoiding the fact that, you know, Allison would be a black woman thrown into the segregated South and that would affect her intensely and immediately in a way that it wouldn't affect the rest of her family. Um, and I think I was, I was nervous, but also really excited to kind of, to have the opportunity to represent that part of the, you know, the African American experience and American history. And, um, and, you know, I wanted to make sure that we kind of tackled those scenes and, and depicted those scenes with respect and with diligence and with proper research. And, um, and it was always really heavy. It was always a really heavy day, a really emotional day whenever, you know, the, the sit-in, the sit-in day and, and when the cops come to the Chestnut House and, um, you know, the, you know, the sit-in leading out into the riot and, you know, those days on set were always really emotional and the stakes were really high in real life, but also, you know, at work. And I think, you know, it was really important to me that everybody on set you know, felt respected and taken care of and that, you know, lines weren't getting crossed and, and everybody felt seen and heard um, because, you know, I would have hated to have anybody go home after a day of work and having to, to work on such, you know, um, uh, such, you know, delicate material um, and feel like they, you know, had been disrespected or they hadn't been taken care of or that, you know, they were forced to work in a work environment that wasn't a safe space. Um, but they were always really emotional. Um, but, you know, I think it, it is the least we can do for the people that, you know, we are, whose lives we are representing that, you know, actually had to live through those sit-ins that escalated to a much more extreme um, situation and level of violence than even, you know, we're trying to depict in the show. Um, so, you know, like Congressman Lewis, you know, he was, he was on the front lines of the civil rights movement and we just lost him a couple weeks ago. And so there are still people alive walking this earth and who have made, you know, made it their lives work to continue the fight against hate and injustice and systemic racism in our country. And I just wanted to be respectful of them. 
Well, and it's really interesting to kind of see your character, especially kind of in, in that plot line, because, you know, she has the power to, like, pretty much, you know, do whatever she says to so- someone. But yet she's also trying to keep she's also trying to keep, you know, that hidden from her husband for a while. And she, you know, she's just gotten it back. And when she does unleash it and, you know, the kind of couple of times she does things get very intense and it's and it's 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 really kind of interesting to see her kind of character go through those those things because she has so much power but she feels like she shouldn't use it and and can't use it in those instances yeah i i think it's i think it's because she doesn't trust her herself Mm -hmm. allison has a really tricky complicated relationship with her powers because you know if not used very specifically and with with you know with respect, I think it, it, it can get out of hand really quickly. And it's also, you know, her powers are always, they never quite hit the nail on the head. Like mm-hmm. it's always, they always get to the point in a very like roundabout kind of way. And I think the, it's not worth the risk of, of, you know, using her powers in a, in a, in a quick fix sort of way to, to fix something and to make a difference in something as important and as monumental as the civil rights movement, because it's, it's not just, you know, it's not just, you know, making herself have a fancy career and, and making herself, you know, you know, get things that she wants if for very selfish reasons. This is the movement is much bigger than her. And I think she she realizes that with the like landing in the 60s with the loss of her power, I think it kind of forces her to slow down and and kind of, you know, listen and learn and and kind of respect the privilege that she does have for having these powers. But then I also think it instantly makes her realize that, you know, she has a daughter, a biracial daughter in the 21st century somewhere and some quick fix decision of using her powers, you know, now in the 60s could could have a butterfly effect that could affect Claire. And she doesn't know what that is. She doesn't know the, we don't really know the long-term effects of the rumor's power because sure, she had a perfect marriage and, and, and a perfect career and a beautiful daughter, but you know, the marriage didn't last. She's unhappy with her career. So it's like, you know, just cause she got all that stuff, presumably because of her powers, it doesn't mean that it's gonna last forever. Right. So because of the feelings involved, Allison and Luther, who's played by Tom Hopper, have this great dynamic in the first season. But it seems like a lot of people this season have liked the moments between Allison and Robert Sheehan's character in the in the show. Um, what is it about that relationship that you think is so special? I think I think the Allison Klaus relationship is really special because I think Allison sees his trauma and I think she understands it. And I think she, I think one of the things that I love about Allison is I think she's constantly trying to push her siblings to be the best versions of themselves. themselves. And I think that she knows what Klaus is capable of. And I also think she, she sees, I think she understands why he is the way that he is and why he has abuse problems and why he's struggling. And, 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 you know, I think he, he, aside from Vanya, I think he received some of the worst treatment from their father. He locked him in a crypt to kind of, you know, force him to deal with his literal, you know, ghosts. Um, And I think that, you know, that really, really affected him. And I think there is, in a way, this like, even though they're all the same age, I think for Allison and Klaus, Klaus, Klaus always takes kind of the younger brother role. And I think she's always kind of taking care of him. But I think that that's another thing about Allison. I think she's a very nurturing motherly spirit. And so, you know, I think you can't, 
you can't force someone to do something that they don't want to do. It ha they have to do it. They have to, they have to walk through the door themselves. They have to get to that point themselves. And so I think she's constantly trying to encourage the best version of him so that he can tackle his demons and be the best version of himself. And I just think um, they're, you know, they didn't really get a ton of time together in the first season. Um, so it was really, it was really lovely to kind of see their relationship, um, you know, play out on camera and the dynamic that they had, um, which, you know, I think she doesn't, she doesn't really pick on him as much because I, um, the way that she picks on Luther and, and Diego. And, um, you know, I think her relationship with, with Klaus is a little more tender because I think she, she sees, she sees his complications and I think, um, and, and his demons. And I think she, she just wants the best for him because she knows he's, you know, he has a rocky history with, with drug abuse and, 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 you know, so yeah, I think she deeply, deeply cares for him in like a, like a little brother way. I think she's always trying to take care of him, even though they're the same age. <laughs> So I did want to ask you about a potential season three. Spoiler alert for listeners who may want to skip ahead a little bit. Uh, we got to see in the season finale a glimpse of the alternate universe Hargreaves kids as the Sparrow Academy. Uh, did you get a kick out of that cliffhanger personally? It's just kind of like being able to play, uh, you know, just for just for a couple seconds, a totally different version of Allison. Oh, uh, oh wait, in what sense? Like at the very end, where we get to see kind of like we get a sense of the the Sparrow Academy because we because oh. that's where we're left off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I think um, it's so funny because like we know very little as well. Like we don't know, <laughs> we know very little. Like that was we uh, Steve loves to hold back the last like three pages of the script until like the day we shoot it. So mm -hmm. we didn't even know you know until I think that morning like what the what was happening in the last scene. And that was um, actually our last day on set was shooting that scene. Um, and I, I think, I think for me, the most exciting part is, is, is that like Ben's alive. I think that like changes the dynamic of the family, like so much um, and, and, and like alive and, you know, our age, which means we got, you know, 15 more years with him than we did originally. Um, and so I think that that's going to change the dynamic a lot. Um, and especially because Ben, as we know him, is this like sweet, innocent, you know, he represents innocence in such a way. Um, and, he, you know, he's the brother that we lost and we all have like the fondest memories and like he is seemingly the one that we all got along with. Um, and so, you know, I think this version of Ben like clearly is not that so <laughs> right. so I think um, I'm interested to see what that family dynamic could possibly be if we if we did get a third season that would be amazing. Have you thought about how Sparrow Allison might be different than than Umbrella Allison? Just it just it just in terms of just thinking about like oh there's another Allison out there you know that could be totally different than than the one we've seen. Yeah, I w I wonder what her like. I, I wonder what, if it's like a reverse power situation or if they just like would cancel each other out. Like, <laughs> like I don't, I don't know. It's like, the, the, honestly, the possibilities could be freaking endless, but I, um, I wonder, I haven't really, um, I've learned, I learned really early on in the show to, to not think too hard about what they're going to do because he <laughs> loves throwing curveballs at us. <laughs> so I, I kind of take it, I take it, I take it day by day because I'm just like, <laughs> the second I try, I think something's going to be what it's going to be. It always ends up being something different or, you know, just a complete wrench thrown into the situation. So I, um, I've, I've learned, I learned pretty early on to not um, put expectations on the show because I think, you know, the universe of this show is, you know, anything can happen. Like we, we have a character who's, you know, essentially a, a, a 
a human body with a fish head or with a fish <laughs> in a tank as a head. It's like, it's like you can really do anything. So I think um, I've kind of left that to Steve in the writer's room to kind of, to, to, to surprise me. I also like to be surprised. So. <laughs> <laughs> so um, as far as your other work goes, you know, you've also worked on Hamilton, which mm -hmm. I'm sure everybody has heard of by now. And especially, <laughs> you know, and especially with Disney plus um, we've seen a whole new wave of fans embrace it. And, and come to experience it for the first time. Yeah. Um, what has it been like for you seeing people embrace it, especially now with, you know, that production having so many themes that are so relevant to whatever, what we're going through at this moment? Yeah, I, th I think it's just incredible. You know, I think in the first day that it was on Disney Plus, um, more people saw it than have ever seen it in person. Um, and I like that just blows my mind. Um, and I think, Hamilton, Hamilton is a show that is, is so inclusive and it is told by, by so many different types of people about, you know, the foundation of our country being built. And, and I think it is, there's so many references to modern day. There's so many ways that people can attach to it and, and love it for so many different reasons. And, you know, before now, like not everybody could afford a ticket to New York and a ticket to a Broadway show and, a, you know, a ticket to, to London to go see it. And, and, you know, even though, you know, you want it to be as accessible as possible, like, you know, that's the magic of theater. You have to go to a building, sit in a chair and experience this thing for three hours, but you can't take it with you. Um, and so I think it's just been so amazing to now have it out in the world um, and, you know, all over the world where people can sit in their living rooms and watch it over and over and over again. And, and it's just been so interesting to watch people dissect it and find things that I didn't, I didn't even, you know, I hadn't even found yet. Um, it's, so it's almost, I'm, I'm learning more about the show now that there's even more eyes on it. And I, I was in it. I helped create it. <laughs> so it's like, it's so crazy that people are teaching me about a show that I thought I knew everything about. But I, you know, I only knew a fraction of it. And it's just been so amazing to watch even more people connect with it and fall in love with it. And, and I'm just so glad that it's, it's, it is, it is a musical that is performed by what the world looks like. It is black and brown bodies and, and artists of every shape, size, color, sexual orientation. And, and it is, it is, it is so universal in that way. And so it's so lovely to have that now out in the world as another, you know, form of art that people can connect to and, and find, and find things that they love in it and find an escape in it and find, and find a connection in it. I just think it's, it's so special. And I'm so, I'm so glad that people are just, devouring it because it's 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 the best you know it's the best <laughs> it is the best it's it's insane and, and being a part of it was and has been and is insane like I you know it's it's been four years you know since I think yeah I think it's been four no it's been five years since we opened on Broadway and it, it feels like yesterday but it also feels like a million years ago um so yeah <laughs> You've been part of quite a few musicals in, in your day. Um, of, the, of those other ones, which do you think people would really dig if they could see stream a stage production of it? Oh, man. Um, oh. That's so tricky. I feel like... I feel like... 
I mean, I, I think it is happening. I think they are making Wicked the movie. Um, but I, I just think that that's such a beautiful story about friendship and about female friendship um, and, and, you know, accepting people for their differences. And um, I, I think that there are so many themes and, and global themes that are in, in that musical that I think are amazing. Um, and then actually recently in in January and February, I was in DC and I did um, a production of this new musical that is, you know, hopefully one day when the world maybe turns, gets back to, and I can't even say normal, we'll never be back to normal, <laughs> but <laughs> turns to its new phase of normalcy. Um, I, I did a musical called Gun and Powder, um, and it's about these two um, biracial sisters, twins, that um, you know, kind of venture out into the world to to help their mother um, pay for rent um, in the sharecropping days, um, and they become uh, they become uh, um, like wild west bandits, um, and and it's a really beautiful story about about colorism, about the biracial experience, about sisterhood, um, and it's a really really beautiful musical. And so I think you know I would love for that to get to to the stage, but then I also think that would be just an unbelievable musical movie as well. That I think you know a lot of people. And it's also, you know, really informative and really educational. I think a lot of people think there's like slavery and then the civil rights, but there's like a whole lot that happened between those two. You know, we don't really aren't really taught what's between those two things. And and that musical is specifically about sharecroppers and like post-slavery um, and and that experience for for African Americans. Did you get your run shortened because of COVID? I mean, did, did you will you go back to doing that once things go back to normal? Yeah, we actually closed um, two weeks before. Okay. Yeah, so there we. It's crazy because we we closed um, Gun and Powder, and then the next musical was like just moving into the theater, and they actually got closed. They got shut down. It's so I mean, so many. I have friends that were, you know, it was their opening night. They were like in their dressing rooms, putting on their makeup for their opening night of of Six, this new musical that's going to be on Broadway. Oh, right. Yeah. And they had to they had to cancel it, and everybody had to go home. So it's. Oh, wow. I mean, it's the theater community has just been devastated by this, and it just it it breaks my heart, and and it's you know it is the heartbeat of of new york in so many ways and and just so so many unbelievable actors and actresses have have you know made their lives you know working on broadway and in theater and and so i just hope that we can find whatever it is that will will make it possible for us to return to 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 the theater because that's I mean, that's why I started doing, that's why I started. That's how I started. I started in theater and musical theater. And so it's just, it's, it's so much of my core and it just, you know, it's so much of who I am today is because of my experience in theater. And, and that's where I, you know, I really started singing for the first time and acting for the first time and dancing for the first time. And so it's, you know, I really hope we can, we can find, find a way to make, to bring theater back. <laughs> So uh, last month you picked up a new gig, which is uh, the character Molly on Central Park. Yeah. Um, have you started any work on that yet? No, not yet. I am. Um, I, I'm. I keep. I keep being like, did that happen? Where have I been? Because <laughs> it happened. Is that a quarantine so dream? <laughs> it happened so fast. I I found out on like a Thursday night, and then they announced it on Friday. Um, but then I, I haven't I haven't started recording yet. But I think you know I think they're just trying to get their their ducks in a row, and they wanted to finish the first season. And and um, but I'm you know I'm I'm so 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 excited, and and I, I'm 
I've always, I, this is something I never, I mean, you know, my whole career at this point is something I never really saw for myself, but I really never saw myself, you know, voicing an animated character and, and let alone a biracial animated character. Like that is just not in my wildest dreams. And I'm just so over the moon and so, so grateful and so excited. And, and, you know, Kristen Bell has been unbelievable and, and so supportive and, you know, we've had so many chats and Josh Gad and, and, and Lauren and the whole, the whole creative team has just been so wonderful. And I'm so excited to kind of, to kind of chomp in, but I, you know, I think it was also, you know, a Central Park announcement happened and then season two came out. And so it's just been a little nutty. So I'm actually kind of glad it hasn't started yet. So I can actually like have time to focus and really like enjoy it and not feel like I'm, you know, squeezing recording sessions in between stuff. So I am, um, you know, I'm, I haven't started yet, but I'm, I can't wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm, I'm glad that they're, you know, they're kind of looking at the actors who are playing the characters they're portraying because there's no reason why, like, a, a you know, a black actor can't voice a black yeah. you know, ca- character on screen, you know, even on cartoon, you know, it's just like, it, it, it makes more sense. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, for, for me and Molly specifically, like she is a, coming of age teenager that is biracial and like my lived experience having you know been a coming of age biracial teenager there's 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 a lot there is like you're in you're constantly like in this like state of identity crisis um and and you know kind of you know there's a lot flying around your any nor any like normal teenager's head is just you know completely out of whack with hormones and and all the things but i think um having the opportunity you know, as a biracial woman to voice, a, you know, the biracial experience, I think is just really special. And I also think it, it, it allows the creatives to properly explore that for every, for every, you know, race, if it is, if it is an Asian character, if it's a black character, if it's an Indian character, if it is, you know, I think it's, it's, um, it's important because I think, you know, the experience of, you know, you know, black and brown people and marginalized people and the LGBTQ LGBTQ community is important and that's why representation is important so you can actually fully properly tell stories and and have 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 those stories be represented correctly and and I think it's just really important and so I'm so excited to have this opportunity to 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 tell you know Molly's story and be a part of her journey and and you know and however Josh and Lauren want me to be a part of that, I'm here for it. And um, I just think it's really exciting for, for all, you know, I think it's, it is now a lot of animated shows are, are kind of, you know, doing, doing this and <laughs> changing the, you know, the previously voiced characters and, and it's, it's exciting and it's just more opportunities for, for people of color. And that's also just freaking amazing. <laughs> so one last question before we let you go. Um, Obviously, we're all in this quarantine world that we're living in. What are you doing to stay sane through all this? Have you picked up new hobbies? What are what are the things that you kind of go to that kind of keep you grounded? Yeah, you know, uh, at first I was doing a lot of puzzles, like two thousand piece puzzles, um, and and I was uh, reading a lot. Um, and I a couple like a month and a half ago, I started. Um, I got these like above ground planters and I started gardening. And so now I have like a full 
beautiful vegetable garden with, you know, tomatoes and peppers and, and watermelon and, and lettuces and cucumbers and zucchinis and um, bell peppers and all these herbs and stuff. And it's just been, you know, I, I'm never home enough to kind of take care of, of we have, I, have a ton, I have a plant lady for sure, but I'm never home enough to take care of a garden because it, it's quite intense. But um, I really, really loved it. And I think it's also been really grounding to kind of like, you know, put my put my hands into the dirt and kind of connect with mother nature and, and also watch in a time of such uncertainty to like plant a thing and and watch it grow and nurture it and take care of it. It's just been, it's been really nice to kind of, you know, I make my coffee every morning and walk outside and talk to my plants. I'm that lady. <laughs> <laughs> but they say, if you talk to your plants, they hear you and it's good. So I, I mean, it may, I think it works because they're thriving. <laughs> well, there you go. See, as long as it works, it's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> now you just got to sing to them. Just sing, just sing, um, you know, Skylar songs to the plants. Yeah. You know, like they say, you know, you like sing and talk to your baby when it's in the womb. So I'm just like, I'm applying that to my plants, my plant babies. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was great oh, having you. And, and best of luck with Umbrella Academy and, and everything else you're working on. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. Bye, guys. Okay, it's your turn. Are you binging Umbrella Academy? Have you streamed Hamilton? Let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod or you can tweet at us. I'm at Brett Molina 23 And I'm at Brian Truitt. And don't forget, you can email us to MothershipPod at USAToday.com. Uh, we'll wrap it up here. Thanks so much for listening. Special shout out to our pilot slash producer, Natalie Boyd. If you like the pod and don't want to miss an episode, you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, leave us a rating and review because it helps other people find the show. And we love your feedback. If the Apple Podcast isn't your thing, find us on Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to pods. Until next week, nerds out. Later. Later.